Hello, all, and welcome to episode 108 of the Man to Man NBA show slash NTAA show just for today. We're very happy to be back after a quick one-week hiatus. I got the boys back with me, but before I introduce them and we get into the show, I got to tell you guys about a very special offer. Now, if you've been living under a rock and don't know, it is March, and March means March Madness, the NCAA men's basketball tournament. It's a very big deal. We all make brackets, but in a first time ever, we are doing something very, very special. The man-to-man team is opening up a bracket challenge to everybody who wants to play, whether you're a every week listener, you've never heard of us, and you just want to be a part of it, feel free to join. It's going to be a $15 entry fee to win $300. It's a pretty damn good return. That's a better return than you'll get on most of these parlays we've been talking about. And for a little competition, all three of us will be playing, and we're putting our $15 in. We're putting it on the line just like everybody else. Go and show us how much more you know. Now, $300 goes to first place. Not everybody can be first place. There will be one first place. If you come in second, you're going to get $50. That's a that's a nice dinner out with you and your honey. You might as well go for it. And then if you come in third place, the bronze medal, you're getting your money back. So there's multiple chances to come out of here, at least even hopefully positive. We'll be posting it on all the social medias. Get the links. Uh, send us your emails. We will get you in. Uh, that we want to make sure that this is all above ground with the money and everything. So we're trying to take this as seriously as possible so please send us the emails let any of us know if you want to be in we'll get you in the deadline is thursday of course because that's when the tournament starts the bracket by the time you hear this episode will be out and i'm sure you've already filled out a few throw another 15 in maybe win yourself 300 that's the ncaa man-to-man bracket challenge go ahead and enter win yourself 300 and speaking of the old ncaa tournament as i introduced the two fellows liam and andy they're always on here and we love them to death uh, but they are big fans of the University of Tennessee, and the University of Tennessee just won an SEC championship. Boys, how are we feeling? That the vibes must be high. Yeah, I uh, obviously, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see that I'm decked out in my Tennessee gear today. It's the first championship, I guess, tournament win or title, I guess you call. It. What do you call the the tournament? Like the SEC tournament? Just are we the champions of the SEC? Um, are we the, we are, do we hold the title? I don't know, but yeah, it was the first one since 79, I believe. So it was, it was great. I haven't seen one in my lifetime. So I know Andy over there, Tennessee boy, he, he's probably remembering yeah. a little Knoxville, <laughs> Knoxville's coming back to you a little bit on that yeah. one, but yeah, it was a good win for us for sure. Yeah. Great looking team, man. Uh, we're surrounded by some really good guards who are freshmen. Um, Ziegler's got a really cool story to him. You know, a couple of weeks ago, his mom out in Queens, I think she take takes care of uh, the family's nephew or something who has Down syndrome. Um, but anyways, their house uh, got lit up on fire. And so they raised uh, the Vol community raised up, I think, three hundred like sixty five thousand dollars. Uh, for Ziegler and, and his mom and that family. And now I think they're relocating to Knoxville, but just a super cool story. Nonetheless, they're ballers right now. I think my biggest thing is they, I don't know if they have like that go-to guy, that playmaker. Kennedy Chandler's, he's a stud. Ziegler's a stud. I like Viscovia a lot. They have like a very well-balanced team. But when it comes down to that last second shot, who's taking it? We've seen Josiah James take that shot against, who was it, Liam, Texas, and just yeah. bricked it on that three. So We'll see what happens. Typical Tennessee. Uh, you never like to get your hopes up, but it's a very solid team. And I think we're 10 and one since the beginning of February. So we're coming in very, very hot right now. 
uh, probably look to, to be a three seed in the tournament. I don't know why we just couldn't get that number two or one. I think Auburn and Kentucky hold those spots, but yeah, man, I'm excited. It is the best event in sports in the entire world. And I don't think I'm biased about that. I think a lot of people agree with that who just aren't basketball fans to begin with, but yeah, hop in the tournament, man. We're excited. We're gonna have a ton of people hop in and, and it should be a good time. Yeah, it was good. Um, I don't know. There was a big discussion on Twitter as I was going through the game. Why can't we get a, a better seed? Like we've beaten Kentucky twice now. We've beaten Auburn. We've beaten Arizona. Like there's teams out there that Tennessee has beaten to show that they're a really good team. And you put it, you know, your non-conference schedule together and you play these teams. But at the same time, like that's what the, I guess, the people that decide, the, the community decides like, based on your schedule and we put together a schedule like we did just so we have that, you know, strength of schedule, those quad wins, and we're not getting any love, but it is what it is. Tennessee is, it's typical. I was telling the boys before we jumped on here was like, we just can't get bounced in the first round. We got to make it at least to the sweet 16 for me to be like totally, totally happy with the season. Um, but Tennessee's will mess it up somewhere or another. I'm guaranteeing that. So. If Barnes is saying that we're pushing. If Barnes is saying that we're pushing P in the locker room after the game, <laughs> then we're coming in, coming in at a good position. I don't know what you think, JP, about like who we look like, but yeah, I think again, that's just like our, our biggest. We're, I think we're just still trying to find an identity. We have somewhat of it, most of it, but it's it comes down to like trying to fight through adversity and things like that. We've seen it before in multiple games this season, so we'll see what they do. Just yeah, no first first round bounce. Like we got fucking cooked last year against Oregon State, which made no sense. But I think we are a better team this year, and we'll see what those guards do uh, being freshmen in a, in, in a first-time tournament. Yeah, absolutely. The, the beauty of the NCAA tournament, and to some people the downfall, is that it's single elimination. The, the record is 0-0 come Thursday. Everybody, you got to win basically five in a row, six in a row to, to solidify yourselves. Now, I, I've watched a decent amount of Tennessee basketball this year, not as much as you all have, obviously, but you're right. The guards are nice, and and – it's something about playing in the SEC is playing against Auburn, Kentucky on a regular basis. Like Kentucky's got as much talent as any team in the nation consistently. And y'all played them tough. I mean, y'all beat them in the tournament. I, I, I like what y'all got. I wouldn't say, you know, y'all are going to be my pick to win at all. I'll, I'll be lying to you if I said that. However, I like what y'all got. I think Sweet 16 is very, very doable. It's a it's a good year for the, the t- Tennessee faithful. I like Rick Barnes as a coach. I, I, I like what y'all got going. I'm I'm a supporter. I'll, I'll cheer for him through proxy. My my team, the Clemson Tigers, we we we're not even making the NIT, so I'm 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 out on that. But I'm looking for another team to root for. I'm good with the orange. Uh, you know, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. It, it's I can say, as someone who will not have their main team in, it's gonna be a very very low stress March Madness for me. I don't think I can say the same for you two, but honestly, I'd rather have a little bit more skin in the game. Yeah, I just yeah, I mean, go ahead. I was gonna say, I just. I, I that's the biggest thing from like last year and you mentioned it getting bounced early and then I remember a couple of years ago when we made it we like playing Michigan State and we just look like a whole different team it's kind of where that's kind of where Tennessee kind of falls short for me in terms of like being hopeful of like cutting down the nets and stuff but this team, you can't count them out. They play good defense. That's another thing that you're going to have to have in tournaments. You know, playing defense, if your mindset is around defense, when you play multiple games like the SEC tournament in a row, you got to rely on defense because at the end of the day, you're tired and your legs are, you know, sore for playing three days in a row. 
defense is the one that wins you those those big games. So I like it. We'll see. We're kind of a little worried, but no I mean, the ceiling yet. is the Sweet 16. So we've never gotten past the Sweet 16 ever. Yeah. So that's that's definitely our ceiling. But yeah, shout out Vols, man. Uh, it's gonna be a crazy March Madness, though, uh, to say the least, because what top, the top six teams like two weeks ago all got upset. So. And Tennessee was uh, a part of one of those being on top. I think they beat like uh, Kentucky, who was number three or four, something like that. Yeah, it's it's very very doable this year. Every team is very very beatable. I mean, last year Baylor and Gonzaga were were heads above the competition. This year, I don't think that's the truth. I, I think there's a very very good amount of the teams that can make a pretty deep run. And even the Gonzaga is probably going to be the number one overall seed. As we've seen, they can be beat this year. They've got some of the best players, including Chet Holgram, who we'll talk about in a brief moment. But it's March Madness, man. They wouldn't call it madness if we didn't expect some crazy things to happen. So that is the beauty of it. And speaking of Chet Holgram, it's one of the beautiful things as a you know NBA fan, for the few NBA fans that we have here that don't care at all about college basketball, is this is a chance to see some of the next guys up, the next rookie class. And I can't say there's a lot of talent in this year's NCAA tournament, as there always is, but pretty much every one of the top six, seven uh, possible draft prospects is in the NCAA tournament this year, including guys like Jabari Smith for Auburn, Chet Holgram for Gonzaga, Paulo Bancaro for Duke, Jay Nobby out of Purdue, Johnny Davis, Wisconsin, Keegan Murray, Iowa, et cetera, et cetera. All these guys are going to be in the tournament, and all of them won their uh, conference championships, but they'll all be there with some at-large bids. Um, it's fun to see these guys compete at the highest level. They're obviously going to get a lot of press. This could be most, eventually, these are going to be the, the last games for most of these guys in college. Uh, the question for me that I have to you guys as kind of, you know, little makeshift talent evaluators is, is how heavy do you weigh these players' performance of the tournament to their draft stock? I think Jabari Smith right now, pretty much across the board, is probably the one-one prospect. If all of a sudden in the first game, Auburn gets, oh, they probably won't lose to it. 15 or 16 seed, but maybe the second round they get bounced and Jafari doesn't have two good games. Do you, does that impact your viewing on them when it comes to the draft? I'll, I'll send it to Liam first. Uh, I wouldn't say so much. There are, I think this tournament is for the guys that aren't already projected high. So like your Jabari Smith, your Pablo's, those guys are kind of locked in, but it, this also gives like opportunities maybe for, you know, a mid-major, maybe even like somebody from a major conference to have this uh, platform to build up their draft stock. I think the little, especially the mid-majors we've had, you know, Garrison Matthews on and stuff like that, talk about how the tournament really kind of just gives them this platform to showcase um, their skills. And some guys, you know, will go off. I know Garrison was talking about how he had really good games and, you know, on this national level, um, just to – you know, show people he can do it and he has the skills to become this NBA, you know, mastermind. So to answer your question, I don't think for the top guys, you know, if you're already projected, you know, in the first round, I don't think this really hurts or helps your stock. It's more of the the little guys to get some national exposure, even with the NIT and stuff, just to, you know, put on, you know, performances and showcase their skills for the little, you know, schools and stuff like that. So I don't, I don't see any too big of a, a weight balancing on this, you know, top players at least. Yeah, sure. I, I'm just thinking about the Virginia Tech game because, I mean, obviously Duke upset and everything else. I love those guys. Those guys got some scrappy dudes. So I'm excited to see what they actually do in the tournament because I, I was remember I was watching the 
the game where Virginia Tech played Duke at home earlier this year. Scrappy dudes, barely lost by a couple of points. But Hunter Couture, guy I'm just going to shout out, 31 against Duke. He's a stud, dude. The point guard, uh, I don't know what, Storm Murphy, scrappy dude. Um, but those, those are probably the two dudes that I'll probably shout out. But excited to see what they could do in the tournament. And I know there are, like, other sleeper teams, too. Like, I don't know the players that are on Murray State and other teams like that. But, yeah, shout out to uh, the guys that are coming into the tournament. I'm excited to see, like, what which names pop up. And I don't know a lot of them. I don't watch a lot of college basketball unless it's Tennessee. But definitely looking looking to keep an eye on those, pe- those guys on those teams. Yeah, I, I like – what you were talking about hoop that this kind of mid-major renaissance because i think so john moran we talked about him a lot this year he's been absolutely hoop and mvp candidate people knew about him throughout the year if you look at draft board scouting every once in a while they'd get like a little game on espnu or something you'd be like damn that that job dude's pretty nice and then you watch him in the tournament and he's tearing the teams up and you're like oh i get the hype now so obviously john was that top level candidate but and the, the extreme example but there's a lot of guys like that. You know, Carson Edwards a few years back for Purdue. All of a sudden, he starts tearing it up. Bam, shoots up draft boards. It's it's the greatest opportunity to present your skills. However good or bad you may be, this is the most eyes you'll have on you, and this is the chance to really shoot up some boards for some guys. I'm right. with you, though. I don't think the top-level guys are going anywhere at this point. I, I just don't see that happening. It's pretty much set in stone who's going to be the top, as it usually is for months in advance. And it's always that one team, too, that you know makes a deep run. Um, I remember VCU, watching VCU a couple years back. They had guys, you know, I'll shout out Lewis because I played against them, but Jaquan Lewis, he was on that team and stuff like that. That gives them, you know, potential stock in the NBA if they wanted to. So it does, you're right. It does give a platform and kind of have a weight to, you know, based on your performance, but you have to make, you know, earth shattering moves all the way up into the final four to actually really change anybody's perspective. Um, on I think even that game with, with Villanova too, Dante DiVincenzo, Kind of after he had that like 35 point game in the finals, like he definitely, I think his stock definitely shot up a little bit. That's a, that's a guy that I was thinking about when you said that. Yeah. So yeah, it, it, you're, I mean, you're, I think we're all kind of saying the same thing. It definitely is a, a way to uh, get some eyes on you if you're, if you're looking to get drafted. Yeah. Absolutely. Shout out, shout out VT baby. Hunter Couture. That's my guy. The I don't know. How, you guys know what I'm talking about. You guys know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know. I know exactly what you're talking about. I watched him. Uh, so the crazy thing is Clemson gave Virginia Tech the best game at anybody in the ACC tournament. We lost on a buzzer beater. Maddox hit a buzzer beater three to, to win the ACC tournament to beat us. A, a Clemson team that was very mediocre all season. So that, that's my biggest connection to Virginia Tech. I got a lot of Virginia Tech fans. Uh, also, shout out to uh, the University of Richmond, hometown, my the school that's like 15 minutes from my front door. They uh, made a big run the A-10 tournament, and they are going to the NCAA tournament. Uh, they Jacob Gilliard is an, a stud in their point guard. I've watched a lot of their basketball just because I like to support the hometown team. Shout out to the U of R, Richmond Spiders. Those, those are my guys. Rich what? Good work. Rich what? Richmond. Rich what? Richmond. All right. Also, on that note, my favorite movie – like this could be very biased since I'm just a basketball fan, but my favorite movie is Coach Carter, and I watched it twice this week, like consecutive nights. Samuel L. Jackson, Deepest Fear is not that we are inadequate. Liam, you got the rest. <laughs> I do, but I'm not going to start quoting movies out here. Fire movie, <laughs> fire movie, bro. 
yeah, we're going to talk Anyways, a little people- bit more about basketball movies towards the end. If you want to hold it, I, I don't want to stop you, but we got a whole, we got some outro talk about some basketball movies. If you want to wait. Oh, uh, okay. Well, I'll yeah. wait till the end then. All right. He's going, he's going to hold it. Keep, I'm, I'm excited to hear you're excited about it though. All right. Last well, thanks, little bit. Bro. Of course, bro. You know, you know, I'm always here for you. Last little bit about the NCAA before we get it moving. We got some trivia questions for the fellas. So, as always, these will be on our TikTok. Go ahead and get all your answers in. We love all the wrong answers in the comments. They make us laugh every single time. However, this one, I got two. My first version, my first question, I'd say is, is pretty well known. People know this one, but it's always fun to talk about. Who is the all-time point scoring leader in NCAA history? Yeah. I uh, Obviously, I, I'll just say it now. I know the answer to this, but I also – want to know like the other people's names on this you know maybe whatever list it is because half of them i'm sure i don't know we were kind of talking about it but i guess other guesses that aren't the answer would be probably like gordon hayward would be on my list or jj reddick um and then the big one that i had was doug mcdermott shout out to the pacers um but you got anything on that andy i'm thinking of like a larry bird um Jimmer for that. Mm, I was thinking about a JJ too. I, I don't know the answer, but yeah, my guess will probably be like a Larry Bird. Yeah. Indiana people, State. people that are people that play four years, you've got to, there's a handful of those guys that I just, you can't think of that. Like, damn, they played there for four years because that's where you score the most points. But I know the answer. So I'll say it's going to be Pete Maravich uh, doing a little prep before this. I didn't know he – I knew he was up to, like, 40, close to 40 points a game, but we have the stats here now, and it's 44 a game. That is – I mean, that's unheard of. 40 points in college is unheard of, um, and he's doing 44 points a game. That's crazy. But Yeah, absolutely. Pistol, it, it, an insane story. I was talking a little bit to the guys earlier. If you haven't read his biography, definitely go check it out. In ridiculous life story. Uh, something – my favorite Pistol Pete fact is that – We've been talking about playing four years. That's where you get all your points. Uh, when Pistol Pete was in college, freshmen couldn't play. They, they were not allowed to play on the varsity team. So he did this in three years. He scored 3,667 points on 44.2 points per game. And there was no three-point line, which Pistol Pete was known to shoot from three-point distance. He could have had well over a thousand more points in his career uh we're talking about the, the greatest ncaa score of all time and because you guys brought it up i will talk about some of the other top scores including larry bird here let me pull up the list real quick hoop uh if you want to vamp real quick while i pull it up yeah i mean just to think first of all i'm gonna keep saying but, but being a scorer in the game of basketball like myself andy shooter scoring a lot of points is hard you know and especially to do it like Pete did for, you know, three years and no three-point line. Like, I don't know about you, Andy, but I get most of my points from the three-point line. You know what I mean? So, I don't yeah. know. It's, it's crazy to start thinking about, you know, these players on that list. Do you have it pulled Considering up? Considering I got most of my points in sixth grade, um, <laughs> you know, I, I can't really relate. I was more of a passer, um, but uh, – and a lot of turnovers. So, that's that's where we differentiate. No, But, no, I, it, it's insanely – that, that number is insanely high. Uh, especially, I don't even know the, I don't know what the rules were going back to it. Like when, when he played or when Larry Bird played, it wasn't a one and done type thing or was it? 
No, it really wasn't. Guys played longer in college. I mean, this is, we're talking about like the the Kareem era where, you know, four years, four natty, stuff like that. But uh, to talk about the other top guys on the list, so Pistol Pete is number one. A couple other names that people may or may not have heard of. I'm sure most of the younger people have not. But uh, number two is Freeman Williams out of Portland State from 74 to 78, had 3,249. Uh, Lionel Simmons from LaSalle is up here, who, again, mm-hmm. I, I'm not familiar with. Uh, he w- did play professionally for a little bit. He had 3,217. Alfonso Ford from Mississippi Valley State from 89 to 93, 3,165. Guys like that, like we're talking about four-year players at a kind of a different era who just scored a ton of points, averaged well above 25, almost 30 points a game. However, before I dig too deep into this list, I want to bring up my second trivia question, which is, who is the current NBA, so is currently on an NBA roster, scored the most points in their NCAA career? See, this is a good question. This one's the hard one. I mean, I think there has to be – you have to you you have to think of those four year players still. I think that's the only. There's a couple. I want to say like JJ Redick has to be up there. I know Doug McDermott was there for felt like seven years, just throwing them up. Um, I don't know. Those would be yeah, my but two JJ's offers. not on a current roster though. Right. So I mean, I my guess would be Doug McDermott just because I I feel like he. Ain't. What about yeah. Dang, what about like an Austin Rivers, or was he just not on Duke not, for very long? Uh, two years, I mean, or one year. Seth actually. Curry, maybe? No. You could even – I mean, you could think about Steph, but I don't think Steph was throwing them up there with Davidson. Oh, what about like Blake Griffin, bro? He was only there for a couple of years, I think, too, wasn't he? Who was Who was like in that era, though? Like it was always like Blake Griffin, Steph – there were some other really good guys on other teams. Jimmer was in that era, but he he not on an NBA roster, but that's kind of that same level of that college basketball landscape. What I about just know, I remember like a James I'm, Harden? <laughs> no, not at all. He he won that at Arizona State that long. Yeah. I'm just thinking, I mean, you're saying what about Westbrook or Kevin Love? That's a good one. They were only there. Westerberg yeah. was only there. I'm going to go with Doug McDermott. I think he's he's got to be the guy because he – I mean, he set the the leading scoring in wherever the fuck he went to. Uh, it was uh, – Creighton. So – Creighton, yeah. I got to go with Doug McDermott because, I mean, that's the only person I know that scored a hell of a lot of points and he's still playing in the, in the NBA. So. Yeah, I'll go Dougie. I'll go Dougie with you. I'll hit the Dougie with you. All right, gentlemen, I can say that was a good answer. It is Doug McDermott from 2010 to 2014 with Creighton. He scored 3,150 points on 21.7 points per game. He played 145 collegiate games, which is just an absurdly high amount. But Where yeah, is he on Cooper. the all-time list? He is, is one, two, three, four, five, six all-time. And I got to shout somebody else out real quick. Chris Clemens, who is currently – who's played for the Rockets for a little bit. NBA fans probably recognize that name. He's currently in the G League. He is actually number three all-time in the NCAA list. He had 3,225 points on 24.8 points per game in 130 games played. He was at Campbell University from 2015 to 2019. He did all that at a very generous five foot nine. The, the Chris Clemens is a hooper, and uh, he, if we're talking about just active – 
NBA and G League, he would actually have Dougie beat. But by the rule, it had to be Dougie. But I want to shout out Chris Clemens real quick. He's third all time. And uh, yeah, he the, the man's a baller. If you watch his college highlights are absolutely insane. Yeah. Well, wow. I thought that, I mean, I thought there was going to be somebody else, but I didn't know that was the answer to that one. That was yeah. Cool. I can tell you who you, you bring up, you've brought up Gordon Hayward a lot. He's not even on the, the list. I he's feel like, like he was just, he always, I mean, obviously in the tournament made that run with, with Butler, but I just think I could have sworn he, he, he's got to be up there with points. I just, I think he was gone after yeah. junior year. I just don't think he played enough years. Maybe he stayed all four. I'm sure he would have been way up there, but yeah. yeah. Old Dougie McBuckets, one of the greatest college players of all time. Those Creighton teams were a lot of fun to watch. And yeah. uh, he's, he's had carved out a really nice NBA career for himself. I mean, that, that's – it wouldn't say he's been, you know, elite by any stretch, but he's still in the league. So that's pretty damn good. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, well, with that being said, no, are we doing our game of the week? We are. We're going to game of the week. So, please, take it away, sir. All right. I'll start us out. But big shout out to the man to man team for going three and zero last week or two weeks ago. Sure did three and zero last after the last episode three and zero first time ever. Shout yeah. out the boys. Oh, okay, so we're all one hundred p right now. <laughs> Pushing p. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the team that that won me some money from from that first game, which is which are the Boston Celtics. Celtics right now. I think my last my game of the week was the Celtics. I think the Grizzlies actually came into the garden and I had the Celtics spread and they, I think they blew them out by like at least 10 points. I'm going to take the Celtics at golden state. Both teams are super hot right now. This is Wednesday night. Celtics are 16 and two in the last 18 games. I'm going to repeat that 16 and two in the last 18 games. Um, This is a team that you, you can't always count out, Um, but I'm going to take them in a spread game. Again, it's going to be a pick them game. I don't know what the spread will be, but I'd imagine that Boston is just barely favored by a couple of points here. Whatever, whatever it is, man, hammer it, nuke it, take the Celtics spread Wednesday night. Uh, Tatum went for 54 against, I guess, the Nets the other night, Monday night, last Monday night. Ties Larry Bird with most 50-point games in Celtics history with four 50-point games, 50 burgers. I got the Celtics spread Wednesday night against Golden State. I like that. I like that a lot. I think Boston is kind of molding herself. I'm also going to go on Wednesday night. I think we try to, you know, spread these out a little bit, you know, maybe get one on Monday, Tuesday, throughout the week. I'm not taking that into account. I'm trying to win, and I got some some winners for you. So I'm going to tell you Mavs and Nets on Wednesday night, also on ESPN. And I don't know – we kind of talked about it in our last episode a little bit, but I don't know if I'm buying in on these nets quite yet. Um, they're still kind of dealing with some, uh, you know, chemistry. Obviously, Kyrie's still in the air. Hopefully that gets turned around here soon. But I'm not buying in until I see, you know, them start marching up the, the standings and, and putting some wins together. And we can't not mention that Luca's out here just – throwing up triple doubles and, you know, scoring the ball and leading his team to win. So I'm going to take the Mavericks. I think I'll probably do it just spread as well. I was, I don't think they'll be favored. I think it's, I mean, it might even be a pick game, but they might be favored. I'm not sure, but I'm going to take Mavs, even if it's probably like two or three, um, lay it if they're favored. If you're getting points with the Mavericks, 
I mean, take those because they're going to win this game, I believe. So that's my game of the week. Excellent, excellent. Y'all, y'all are riding Wednesday night. I'm not going Wednesday night. I'm going Monday night, which if you're listening is tonight. I'm going with the Nuggets and the 76ers. Two top MVP candidates going at it, Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid. 76ers coming off a bit of a rough week. The Nuggets have played a lot of basketball recently. I'm not sure we'll see like the prettiest game of all time, but it's going to be a good one. And um, I'm taking the Sixers spread. They're the better team. They're at home. They're probably pissed off after their last couple performances. Uh, I think Joel has a big game. I'm, I'm not sure. Jokic has been good on defense, but I'm not sure he can guard him for a full 48. I'm gonna take a I'm gonna take Sixers spread. I'm not sure what it's gonna be. I'd imagine they'll be favored by a little bit, probably like in that two three point range. But uh, whatever it is, I'm gonna take Sixers. I'm gonna take the points. Uh, I like the Sixers in this one. I think they win big. And uh, while the Nuggets are putting it together, this one this is a tough matchup for them. So I got Philly at home on Monday to round out game of the weeks, and hopefully we'll come back to y'all with another three and zero. It would be nice to have a little six and zero run here for the boys. That'd be a a really really good feeling. And that takes us to just the general, the general mass of the episode here. Some NBA talk to finish this up. Uh, I'm not sure if anybody's been watching out in the West. I, I, I know I've kind of written off the Los Angeles Lakers, but somebody who has not is LeBron James, their star. He's putting up the best regular season scoring of the second half of his career, 29.7 a game. He's really keeping the Lakers afloat. He's leading the league in scoring right now, which is insane to think of at 37 years old. But uh, LeBron has been absolutely hooping recently. 50-point game, a couple 50-point games the last couple weeks. Uh, he, he is keeping this Lakers season from absolutely falling off a cliff on his own. But uh, it sounds like somebody in here may want to say something about LeBron's last-second performance against the Houston Rockets. I'll, I'll just leave that one open, dude. I'm going to guess our the biggest hater on the pod. Let, let's hear it. <laughs> Fucking sold, man. He sold against the Rockets. Uh, I think that was... I don't know, a big topic this week. I know Stephen A kind of went off on it, but uh, I I didn't watch the game. I know also the Rockets, it was at home. The Rockets upset both the Lakers and the Grizzlies this week, so I might give LeBron and the Lakers the benefit of the doubt, but uh, they lost an OT against the Rockets, 139-130. I think there was like 20 seconds or something left in the game. LeBron crosses up on the left side, has an easy, I would say pretty easy for LeBron being a quote-unquote GOAT, for like a, a floater on the left-hand side, he ends up going under the basket. He could have even had a, a reverse right hand. I get it. Give it over to Carmelo. Pump fake, one dribble, good shot. Carmelo is just not there. He's washed anymore. He doesn't do it. Um, that's all I got to say about it, man. So I, I, I always say this. I root for LeBron's legacy, but take the shot, dude. You're like, you're barely making the play-in game, the play-in tournament, right? So Take the shot. I remember I was watching first take. Kendrick Perkins was saying the other week that he was like, the only game that I think the Lakers could win is against the Houston Rockets. Look what happened. Um, uh, they had a bunch of guys on the Rockets that just went off. I know KB, uh, Kevin Porter Jr. is going off. Jalen Green, I think he had a career high of that game. But, yeah, I mean, weird, weird, weird dis- late-game decision-making by LeBron James. When do we When do we decide that it's not LeBron's fault? Because I feel like that's where the narrative – is kind of, you know, being swung to is that the Lakers aren't winning, so it's LeBron's fault. Yes, he does have some blame to to take and, you know, kind of just putting together these guys that unfortunately just aren't doing it. 
you know, he went out and took Russell Westbrook. He went out and said, I want Carmelo. Obviously, AD's been in and out of the lineup this year, but it's not all LeBron's fault in terms of when he's putting up these big numbers. Yes, maybe decision-making in-game could be better in certain places, getting back on defense, but the narrative that I've I've seen is that it's LeBron's fault. LeBron, you know, he's old and washed. How can you say that now that he's putting up these numbers and stuff? So I think the Lakers, again, I'm going to keep saying it throughout their, the entire year. I think the Lakers can be a championship team this year when, A, they're all healthy, and then, B, when just when they decide that it's going to be the time to play basketball and when it means something. And I think that's kind of where the older players like Carmelo and Westbrook, not so much Westbrook because he kind of brings it every night, but like the older players and not so much experienced players like take off. They see LeBron not getting back on defense. So they're like, oh, I don't have to. And they take off. But when it's starting to mean something like in the playing game and into the playoffs, I'm not counting out the Lakers. I don't want, I wouldn't want to play the Lakers in the playoffs. So. I'm sorry that that doesn't uh, really uh, match your your thoughts there, Andy. But <laughs> LeBron James is. in the playoffs. It's LeBron James in the playoffs. I, I you never want to see him, but yeah, I we we talked a, a little bit about it in the past, but we'll we'll briefly bring it up. You know the the Russell Westbrook storyline of this season has taken an incredibly weird left turn, where it's gone from like wow he's he's not very good this year to like. Now the storyline is how people are treating him and his family. Um, obviously, I think we would all agree, and every listener would agree, that setting death threats to any athlete or his family because of their performance is absolutely heinous and just fucking stupid. <laughs> but uh, I will say, if you don't want to be criticized, play better. Like I don't, I don't think that the there's really that is is it. Am I like heartless for saying that? Like I, I if. I get it. And I understand at this point, he would probably be tired of Westbrook, even though it is a very funny. <laughs> I, if, has he considered just playing better? I'd like that. Is, it, the, it, to go from like, oh, again, death threats and, that, and talking to the family is, is out of line and should never happen. But if you're mad about people calling you Westbrook, make more shots. Like, I don't, <laughs> that, 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 that's my outlook on it. I, and I understand that's a little cruel, but that that's my statement on it. I, I am not, I've never been the biggest Russell Westbrook fan of his game in the world, but I, I play better, man. Well, hey, this is another thing that people that are kind of won't recognize as much if they don't watch basketball as much as we do. But for LeBron's game, he needs a point guard that is a scoring point guard. You know, he can't have like a, a, a point guard that is, you know, a – you know, do it all guy like Westbrook or, you know, somebody that's not active scoring the ball. Not that Westbrook can't score the ball because we've seen him score the ball great, but when you're not making shots and not shooting it, it doesn't pair well with with LeBron. So Kyrie is a perfect example. Obviously they won a championship together, so it makes sense. But having a scoring point guard alongside LeBron is what he needs um, to kind of relieve some of, some of that pressure in terms of the guard position. So, I mean, you're exactly right. Play better, make shots, and people will stop fucking around with you off off the court. So, I I like it. I like the take, JP. It's a fine take. I mean, I I get it. You're an NBA player, and you're probably used to it by now. I was watching – what was it? 
the game that they lost against was it the Trailblazers? I I think that was they were on like a consecutive night game playing games two nights in a row. It was either the I think they played JP remind me did they play the Trailblazers and then the Pelicans? Do you remember? I, um, I can pull it up. It, that sounds right though. It's, it doesn't matter. It doesn't that combo. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It's not my point. But they lose two games in a row. Uh, and then press conference is Westbrook talking about it's the same shit, you know, finally talking about or he's talking about, uh, you know, his family, you know, life is great. It's not only about basketball. LeBron's Le- it feels like LeBron's kind of been saying the same thing. It's all good. LeBron is just trying to be a professional with losing games. Vogel is saying the same thing. We'll figure it out. We'll go back to the, you know, the film and, and look what we did wrong. You know, we just got to keep going, pushing forward. Shaq was like, <laughs> what, what are these guys talking about? Like, I would be pissed off, right? And so they just don't have that energy. And it, yeah, I mean, where has that been at? Like, let's get pissed off a little bit. And that's why I feel like their ceiling is like a, like a first round exit, like not even in the playoffs, just in the playing game. But Maybe this will make him play better. I agree. You're an NBA player. No, no death threats, obviously, but let's play better. Uh, and people won't call you fucking Westbrook. But if you're going to be at any opponent's arena, prepare to get heckled by fans. And if he wouldn't have said anything about it, I feel like, and he started to play better, it's when you bring something up, people are going to, you know, going to keep talking about it and keep calling you Westbrook. If you just, you know, showed it didn't bother you, and you started eventually slowly playing better and making shots, people aren't going to call you Westbrook anymore. But because you, A, biggest thing, not making shots, and B, you're saying, I hate this, stop doing this, they're going to be like, well, fuck you. I'm going to keep calling you Westbrook because you are not making shots. So it's just funny how people decide things like that. Yeah, it, it, I, I don't ever understand like telling somebody that like they, if you don't want them to call you something to continue like be like, hey, I don't like that. The person that they're just going to call it you twice as much. So the Westbrook yeah. nickname's not going anywhere, but that's enough on the Lakers. Like we, we I feel like I feel like just real quick. It's like yeah. at the like you're in elementary school, you know, at recess, like, oh, my God, stop calling me like a bully is going to keep bullying you. And so you do something about it, Yeah, which, which I never did. I always got beat up up on recess you know like i couldn't do anything about it but you know nba player. one of them to start throwing hands at every reporter that calls him westbrook <laughs> i mean dude you know it's fired back a little bit nobody else hey no other reporter would ever call him that i could t- i could promise you that but hey andy you didn't tell them hey guys i want to be the host of a podcast someday you better not beat me up i know well that's where my life's at we, we run a podcast right yeah hey podcasts are cool man all right Podcasts are still cool. So, and, and we started going cool. before everybody else. So exactly. All right. So, something a little disappointing last week was the Brooklyn Nets Philadelphia 76ers matchup. It was one of the most highly coveted tickets, one of the most hyped up games of the season. Talk about Ben Simmons this, Ben Simmons that, even though he's only going to be on the bench. Joel Embiid and James Harden were going to show out, yada, yada, yada. And then the Nets came in and blew the tires off of the 76ers. It was it really wasn't close from the opening tip. It was underwhelming. The worst thing that happened was they started a fuck Ben Simmons chant in the crowd that didn't seem to impact anybody besides just like being kind of funny, I guess. I don't know. I think Philly fans hyped that up a little bit too much. Uh, it, it proved that 
even against a team like the Sixers who are really, really good, play great defense, that KD can score it well, and Kyrie's still an absolute problem to guard. Uh, it, it, the narrative of James Harden choking in, in big games certainly was not helped considering he played absolutely terrible. And uh, for a national televised game, I think this kind of hurt Joel Embiid's MVP candidacy. It probably shouldn't because one game doesn't define a season. But on the biggest stage so far for Joel Embiid, he, he had a lot of points, but he did not play great. So I'll talk, I want to, I'm sure y'all watched the game. I'm sure you guys got some stuff to say about it. I'd love to hear what y'all were, what y'all's takes were coming out of this game. That was supposed to be the best regular season game of the year and ended up being a real flop. Yeah. So this is the thing that I kind of going to take this game out of, it was like out of, you know, take it out of the season. It was like a hyped up to be, it doesn't really reflect anything truly about these two teams. I don't think at all. Because like I said earlier, I'm still not really bought in on the Nets. Yeah, they came in and destroyed the 76ers. But this game was kind of just, you know, cropped out of actual the NBA season because it was, you know, just the the narrative around the whole coming back. Ben Simmons not even playing in the game. I mean, just being there, whatever. That's just, you know, always going to be hyped up at a, you know, at a different level than a regular season game. So for me, this, this was – it was – kind of obviously disappointing to watch because I wanted to be like a nail biter, you know, game winning shot or whatever, but I don't really take anything away from this game um, in terms of like trying to break down the film and who did what, right. Because it was one of those games that are kind of just snapshotted because of the story around it. Um, so to your point about MVPs and Joel Embiid, I still have them as the top, you know, candidate for the MVP but nobody really knows about the Nets yet until their team is completely back and that's kind of where I still sit anytime we talk about the Nets so yeah agreed um I mean Harden's been Harden and Embiid have been playing lights out I mean that's a televised game right JP weird game maybe some weird tension going on between those teams to begin with the drama all the drama leading up to it I don't know. It was just an off game. Harden shot an atrocious, what, like three for 17 or some shit like that. Uh, Embiid played terrible. It's it's just a regular season game. I don't know if they'll see each other in the playoffs, but yeah, I mean, everyone's, everyone's saying fuck Ben Simmons. Fuck Ben Simmons. Kind of wish the guy would have played, but yes, very like overhyped of a game, right? I mean, that was our trivia question a couple weeks ago, so it was a blowout. I know. I was trying to bet on like the spread starting in the second half. I know the TNT guys were talking about how the game wasn't over when we, they were down 20 going into half. They got fucking blown out. Also, that dude Brown for the Nets is a stud. I don't even know who that guy is. Kwame Brown or some shit? Bruce Brown for the Nets. I was going to bring him up. And uh, Seth Curry in a revenge game. Yeah. He was part of that James Harden trade. He played out of his mind. He was hooping. See, that's the thing, like, with that game. that I mean, Seth Curry is not known to just go out there and, and, and blitz a team and go in for what? I think he had, what, almost – he had 32, 33 maybe? Uh, something like that. It, it was yeah. high. I mean, he, he had, like, 20 in the first half. Yeah, he's not going out there and blitzing teams like that every single game. You can't rely and be like, oh, Seth Curry, he's going to get me a 30-piece tonight. No, he's more of like a, you know, 15 to 20-point game. So that's what I mean about the narrative of, like, you can't really rely on people to do that. Yeah, they have, you know, <laughs> Seth can do it. He has a skill set, but we're not, can't look at that and be like, damn, Seth Curry mm -hmm. is going to be a, you know, a new superstar like that. So 
to that point in the NBA, people, you know, have off nights, kind of what Andy was saying. So, I don't know. It is what it is. It, it's the the problem that they're, they're, the Sixers team is going to run into. Because like Andy's been saying, this Harden and Embiid duo is working out. It's going to continue to work out. They're, they're two of the best ever to do it at their positions. But, you know, is one off game – if one off game out of seven isn't going to kill you in the playoffs – but if all of a sudden you got two back-to-back ones, that's going to get interesting in a seven-game series. Because most seven-game series, there's uh, if, if it goes seven games, there's two that one team won handily, two that one other team won handily, and those other three decided by like five points, give or take. It's pretty much it's it's going to become a 50-50. And if you're a Sixers fan, that's a little scary. So I'm not willing to count them out yet. Obviously, I think they're an incredible team. I think Joel Embiid still got a pretty good shot at MVP, but this game did bring up some some very reasonable concerns. However, they're still a top-level team. And another team that's been really struggling against teams like the Sixers is the Chicago Bulls. Uh, they are 2-5 and five in their last seven, including a skid against the Grizzlies, Heat, Hawks, Bucks, and Sixers, which for those of you keeping home, keeping track at home, are four of the top five. Uh, four of those teams are our top teams in the league right now. They lost all of those games. And most of them were not particularly close. Uh, then they have been not since back, bounced back with a win against the Pistons and the Cavaliers, picking it up. But the concerns that these Bulls teams could not compete against the upper-level teams are legitimate. Uh, there was a stat that was going around the other day. I don't remember the exact amount of games, but it was like they were like 0-12 against top three teams in other, either division. That's not very good or very indicative of a team winning a lot of games in the playoffs, especially against top-level teams. Alex Caruso is back. He's back. He's off of his injury that he's finally a guy that I think we could all agree is a pretty important guy in their rotation, but DeMar DeRozan has slowed down. Zach Levine has been playing through some injuries. Vucevic as good as he is, is a step below these other bigs, especially the East, but definitely in the league. A seven game series against a top team in the East. I don't think anybody should ever take the bulls. What, what, how are y'all feeling? See, the bulls are, 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 are weird to me because they, you know, I we kind of I kind of mentioned this at the very beginning of the season of like the Bulls are, are the team that you should watch out for and you don't want to play. I don't think you would want to play the Bulls in the first round matchup only due to the fact is that they have so many pieces here and there. And it's kind of like the opposite of what I just said of about, you know, Seth Curry just going bananas one game. These guys, DeMar, we, we've seen it that he can put up a 40 clip just easily like that. Zach Levine, when he's fully healthy, he can put up, you know, he can get you points, 30 points. Um, even Caruso, Caruso's not like a 30-point guy, but he can score the ball and, you know, spark a team. Lonzo Ball, he can get hot making some threes. And so that's kind of where I see that. I can't count them out yet. Um, yeah, it's kind of, you know, not frustrating, but it is something to look out if you are a Bulls fan to be like, damn, we can't beat any of the good teams. Like, what are we going to do in the playoffs? But when it comes to playoffs and you're, you know, led by a veteran in DeMar DeRozan that's been there and done that sort of in his career into the playoffs, slow down a little bit, play defense, and make it a series. So for me, yeah, it's, you know, you can't can't count them out, but there are some some signs that kind of show that maybe they, they can't compete at, a, you know, semi-level of like, I don't know, they're not beating the 76ers in a seven-game series. You know what I mean? So we'll see mm -hmm. how it is. 
I think our theme with the Bulls is we've just kind of talked about an experience. Um, although they have guys that have somewhat been there, like DeRozan, I just think they've been out with Caruso for a while, and he's a big. He, I think he is a big piece on that roster. We'll see what happens when he's back. You know, if you're going to make some sort of excuses like, yeah, play better. Yeah, DeMar DeRozan is slowing down. But let's see what, like, Caruso could do. Vucevic is still Vucevic is still playing pretty well. Uh, they're going to just need guys to balance out that team once. But they need. I'm, I'm just trying to look at the standings here because I know we talked about that. The one through four playing the, the five through eight. So they are four right now. They're tied on. Yeah, they're a game uh, ahead of the Celtics right now. But we just talked about the Celtics 16 and two in the last. 18 games need that first through four spot for the bulls to get out of that first round in the playoffs. So that's kind of where they need to sit at. And that's where they need to aim to push for is, is one through four spot right there. Also shout out to Miami heat number one, Jesus Christ. But yeah, bulls need to stay, need need to stay at four right here. Other than that, I think they're screwed. They definitely need that home court because they, you don't want to go on the road and and lose that home court. So Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the Celtics game because we don't have this written down, but I do want to bring it up. Uh, that boy Jason Tatum, hooping, hooping. I mean, like, like all one of the, probably the best besides maybe Demar, the best scoring stretch of the league so far. Uh, he's, the Celtics have been playing out of their mind, but Jason Tatum, I mean, MVP candidate for sure next season. He's been absolutely hooping. Yeah, another thing I I, I want to bring up with that too is you that is where you see good teams become great in terms of you have a score like Jason Tatum that's going for, you know, 30, 40 points a night easily without question. And you don't see, you know, dropped, I guess, production from Jalen Brown. He's still putting up numbers right along where his averages kind of been sitting all season, right, right along with Jason Tatum. And that's why they're winning games because sometimes you have a player that goes off for 50 and, you know, scoring a lot of points and you see production level from maybe your second guy or your third guy go down a little bit. Nothing from, you know, number two on that roster and Jalen Brown. So that's that's good. Good to see from them. Yep. Shout out Jason Tatum, them Celtics. I don't want to see him. I don't want to see him ever in a seven-game series, but definitely with the way they're scoring right now, that, that would be a, a scary team. And if they play four or five Bulls Celtics right now, so Celtics probably in five or six, pretty, I think pretty handily. Mm-hmm. And now talking about some, the history of the game, we had another record broken recently. We actually talked a few weeks back about what record we would see broken next. And we were talking about players, but we did not take into account coaching. And if we had, we would have realized, oh, there's probably gonna be a record broken within the next month. And there was Greg Popovich, head coach of the San Antonio Spurs, been there a very long time has the most regular season wins in NBA history. And he actually already held the record for most wins, if you include the, the postseason, but most NBA records are just regular season. Uh, Greg Popovich has 1,335 regular season wins, which is an insanely high amount. I think bar none greatest coach in NBA history at this point, probably the, one of the greatest basketball coaches in the history of the sport. Uh, he's all time. Everybody knows Pop. Everybody loves Pop. The Spurs have been at the best team in the league and have rarely ever not been in the playoffs since as long as his tenure has been around. Uh, just shout out Pop. I think it's an incredible thing. It's awesome to see. And uh, if he, he's not done yet, he's going to at least get a few more. It'll, it's, we'll be curious to see if he plays anymore or if he coaches anymore for this season. But congrats to Greg Popovich. Yeah, I think this kind of just solidifies his, you know, resume in terms of one of the greats. Um, 
basketball. Obviously, you have Coach K retiring this year too. Probably legendary uh, up there too, as you know, all time. But the only thing I don't like about Greg Popovich, and this is kind of my personal thing against him, is he wins too much, exactly too much, because. He always, growing up, I was, you know, a Suns fan and watching Steve Nash. And the only team that we couldn't beat were the Spurs. And back when Tony Parker was there, Matt Ginobili, Tim Duncan, of course, that was the team, you you know, as a Suns fan, you got to go through the Spurs and we could never do it. So I don't know, man. I guess that's just a personal thing for me. But That sounds like a personal bro. <laughs> No, I, I was just joking. He's a great coach, for sure. Every every coach in the NBA has something great to say about Pop. Everybody that's ever played for him, they, they love him to death. Part of it, NBA coach, is obviously X's and O's, but I think so much more of it, like the other, like really 75% of it, is just to be able to manage NBA players on a day-in, day-out basis. And nobody has ever been better at it than Greg Popovich. I, I think again, he's, he's the greatest NBA coach in my eyes, and uh, I – yeah, I'm a I'm never been a Spurs fan, but I've always been a pop guy for sure. You mean you don't think Luke Walton is a, the greatest uh, NBA coach of all time? Uh, I think Luke Walton is Luke Walton is a, is a registered sex offender. <laughs> bottom, bottom tier. That man was carried by arguably the greatest ro- roster in NBA history when he was at the Warriors for that his interim, and then with the Lakers and Kings showed the man is not an NBA head coach. And is probably a little bit of a creep. So yeah, no, Luke Walton is um, low on my list. They just released a top fifteen head coaches of all time in the NBA, and Doc Rivers was on there. By the way, I don't know if anybody saw that. We've we've trashed him, but shout out Doc Rivers on that. Uh, Luke Walton would be on the other one, the the, the bottom fifteen. Yeah, maybe. And that, then that, trust that, me. that boss, that bottom one. All right. Well, that takes us. We've been doing this for a while, boys, and I was happy to see you, but we got to wrap it up eventually uh, with the little outro here. One of the funnier things in recent NBA media history happened as the great Will Ferrell, one of the greatest actors of our generation, one of the greatest comedic actors of all time, dressed up as the Jackie Moon from Semi-Pro, ran out, did some warm-ups with the Warriors, was shooting around with Clay, who's a known Jackie Moon supporter, and Steph. And he actually ran out onto the court with them to do like their last pregame warm-up. And the video, if you haven't seen it, it's it's hilarious. Watch Jackie Moon just come out after like Kavon Looney. It's great. It was hilarious. Uh, I, I, I The question I have for y'all, I'd love to hear y'all's takes on that, but just to throw it a little bit here, is uh, and Andy, actually, you, you brought it up earlier. You love Coach Carter. What are y'all's favorite basketball movies? We're approaching Oscar season. I don't think a basketball movie is going to win any Oscars this year, but you know, it's it's move. It's a good time for movies right now. What's y'all's favorite basketball movies? Andy. Yeah, I, Coach Carter for me. I think Samuel L. Jackson is a, a great actor, and it's one of the best movies ever. So, yeah, Coach Carter, and then probably like probably like Air Bud or some shit. <laughs> Air Bud was kind of fire. I tell you what was trash was that uh, that State Farm commercial where the guys like, no, it was out on me. And they're like, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, it was, oh, that man. wasn't State Farm, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Fuck that commercial, then. Uh, <laughs> hey, however the ref called it, man, we got to ride with that. Hey, hey, our ball. <laughs> yeah. Nah, I got to go Coach Carter, man, for sure. Yeah, I think Coach Carter is up there for me. Um, I think one of, like, one that kind of resonates with me growing up, like Mike, like Mike was one of those that I would watch probably a hundred times. Um, mm-hmm. So those two off the bat of my head, I have those two. Um, 
I don't even. I mean, Hoosiers not the greatest basketball movie, but it's up there. Yeah, it's pretty uh-huh. good. Those are my three. I think that I like. Do you have one? Any others, JP? That you you thinking of that that yeah. hit with you? Yeah, I mean, I love White Man Can't Jump. That that, that yeah, movie is, is absolutely good. outstanding. It's it's not it's a it's a streetball movie as opposed to like or like a pickup movie as opposed to like an NBA movie. Yeah, like Mike, um, classic. Uh, I I think the something interesting about basketball is that it's it's not an overly like cinematic sport. You know, like baseball is super cinematic and spread out, and there's a lot of downtime. And it's 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 baseball is an easy movie to make a sport about. Football and basketball, because they're so tight and it's so like action based, I think it's harder to make movies about basketball. But uh, yeah, I love White Man Can't Jump. Woody Harrelson, Wesley Slipes, classic. Apparently, they're making a remake with Jack Harlow. I haven't seen like that confirmed yet, but I saw mm. some reports on that. I gotta, I'm not sure we really need a remake, but I mean, I get, I'll probably give it a go. I got to shout out Love and Basketball, too. I forgot about that one. That's, yeah, a, good one. And, that's a classic. That's probably like the best, like movie that happens to also have basketball in it that and like he got game classic uh there's a movie called the vast of night which i don't know if y'all ever seen it's on amazon prime there's a high school basketball game in it and they do like they like the camera like cuts through the game that was pretty cool uh yeah that's not a basketball movie any stretch just happens to have basketball in it but yeah those are all the basketball movies i love i i if if i had to give a favorite i'd probably say white man can't jump yeah i've actually never seen that movie you should give you it a go, like man. It. It's great. You yeah. Like it. It, it's it's kind of up your alley, I feel like, too. Kind of. Is that supposed to mean? I don't know. The white man can't jump, man. We're all white. Yeah. Men. What are you trying <laughs> to say here, man? <laughs> <laughs> I can only get like two inches above the ground. All right. <laughs> all right. With that, guys, uh, I think I'm going to namaste these fools out of here. So if you guys don't have anything else, make sure to enter. Our NCAA bracket challenge, uh, mm-hmm. all of that will be linked below or on our social media pages at Man to Man Podcast. So, with, if you ain't got nothing else, I'm gonna say I'm out of here. Okay, so Namaste to you guys. Namaste. Namaste, namaste gentlemen. Namaste. We'll see y'all next week, baby. Only in the night.